Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at letstalkfaith.com. A service of the Salem Media. Versions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You're driving your car, and somebody cuts you off. And you get angry and agitated and maybe start to scream, or if you don't, you'd like to. Except you have a bumper sticker on your car about the Lord, and you dare not do that, but you'd like to. Why? Because you think that they violated your rights. You had a right away here. I mean, you, you're, you have the right away, not him or her, and so you get angry. How about when you get a bill and it's too high, or somebody overcharged you? Oh, boy. What right do they have to overcharge me? And, you know, did you see that? Listen, you, you don't have any rights. don't have any rights. How did that taste going down? It was hard enough to swallow the statements about anger, but then Pastor Steve had to go and throw that bit about rights into the mix. Well, you know, God's Word is sometimes difficult to take. However, we need to keep the following in mind. God's Word is authoritative in our lives, and we must obey it. Pastor Steve has been rightly dividing the Word of Truth, Now, it is up to us to apply it in our lives, and we will have more to apply very shortly. Welcome to Verse by Verse Radio, where we feature the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. We are working our way through the series, The Walk of the New Man, and we have received much food for thought. Today will be no different, so hang on to something that is nailed down, and let's jump into today's program. When is anger wrong? Well, it's always wrong when it stems from injured pride. That's when it's wrong. And sometimes we may try to cover it up and say it's righteous, but it's not righteous at all. Someone says something to us that bothers us because we feel we have some rights. We have rights. Who do they think they are speaking to us? We feel that we have rights and the other person has violated these rights and we get angry. Let me illustrate what I mean by this. Man comes home, husband comes home for dinner at night, he walks through the door and it's not ready. Dinner is not there. His wife's had a rough day or she's just, you know, hasn't got the food ready. He goes to the table. He pounds his fist on the table and says, when I walk through that door, I expect a hot meal to be ready on the table. He's angry. He's agitated. He's disturbed. Why is he angry? Why is he angry? Because he feels like he has a right to have a hot meal ready when he comes home. And the truth of the matter is, is he doesn't even have a right to eat at all. It's all a privilege from the Lord. He doesn't even have a right to have a wife who makes him food. But he gets angry because he thinks he has a right and it's been violated. You know what the only thing we have a right and we deserve to have, and that's to be sent to hell. That's all the rights that we have. That's all that we deserve. And we can try to skirt the issue by saying somebody is just, you know, he's just touchy. That's his personality. He's just touchy or he's just overly sensitive. He's not just touchy. He's not overly sensitive. It's just wounded pride. 
he feels he has some rights or she feels she has some rights and nobody's going to violate my rights and I'm going to let somebody know if they do. They're not going to step all over me. If it's rights we're interested in, then really we ought to, we ought to see the perspective that we deserve nothing but hell. That's our right. You see, sinful anger is just the result of, of wounded pride. We don't deserve anything from the Lord, anything good from him, anything good from others. That's why it's all of grace. You think about the times that we get angry, and every time when it's, when it's unrighteous anger, we're not referring to righteous anger, but every time we get angry, it always stems from a right that we feel we have that's been violated. For instance, you're driving your car, and somebody cuts you off and you get angry and agitated and maybe start to scream or if you don't you'd like to except you have a bumper sticker on your car about the Lord and you dare not do that but you'd like to why because you think that they violated your rights you had a right away here I mean you you're you have the right away not him or her and so you get angry how about when you get a bill and it's too high or somebody overcharged you? Oh, boy. What right do they have to overcharge me? And, you know, did you see that? Listen, you, you don't have any rights. Or how about when you go to the doctor's office or any office for that matter and you, you set a one o'clock appointment and it's two o'clock before you get in. Get angry? It's because you think that you have a right to see the doctor. Now, granted, I agree, when you make a one o'clock appointment, you ought to get in at one o'clock. But the point is, is that we don't have any rights. And if you have that perspective, you really won't have a problem with anger. We get angry because somebody has violated our right. What right do they have to speak to me that way? Do they know who I am? Yeah, that's why they spoke to you that way. <laughs> yeah, who, who are we? We're just, we're nobodies. But we get angry. You see, selfish anger is unexpectable, unacceptable. But some Christians don't believe that. They try to excuse it. They say, well, that's just the way I am. I was born with a bad temper. That, that may be true. That may, and I, granted, there are some people who have more of a struggle with anger than others. But you've been born again. You can't say that's an excuse. You've been born again. You've become a new creature in Christ. You don't need to explode like the old man. The old man explodes. The new man doesn't. Or we can excuse it this way. I just blow up and then it's all over with. Well, do you know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, Paul says this, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousings, and things like these. Now, that, that's no excuse. Outbursts of anger come in the same category as drunkenness, come in the same category of sexual immorality, of impurity, of sorcery. It's the deed of the flesh. Or someone may try to excuse it this way by saying that it's good to ventilate your anger. If you hold it in, you're going to get an ulcer. That's not true. That's not true. The Bible says this, Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25. Do not associate with, an, with an one easily angered. Don't become a friend of someone easily angered. Why? Or you may learn his ways and get yourself trapped or ensnared. Even secular authorities 
are beginning to recognize that it's harmful to explode and think that it's all over with. In fact, in 1982, there was a book written, uh, published by Simon and Schuster. The name of the book is Anger, the Misunderstood Emotion. Carol Travis writes this. She writes, the psychological rationale for ventilating anger does not stand up against experimental scrutiny. The weight of the evidence indicates precisely the opposite. Expressing anger makes you angrier, solidifies an angry attitude and establishes a hostile habit. No, it isn't right to just explode and say, well, it's all over. I feel a lot better. No, it won't be all over because anger develops into deeper problems if you don't deal with it in God's way. So what should you do when you feel yourself getting angry, when you're tempted like that, and and when you fall for that and you feel anger just beginning to control you? Anger, not righteous anger, but selfish, wounded pride, unrighteous anger. What should you do? What happens when some right of yours, or you think it's a right, has been violated? Well, the end of verse 26 says this, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, we're not, let it to, we're not to let it continue. We're to deal with it quickly. Don't prolong it. Don't let it fester inside. Deal with it now. It's the way you deal with every sin. You confess it, you repent, you forsake it. You deal with it quickly. You know, I see this illustrated very clearly in my own children. At times they get angry at, at night especially because uh, either we won't let them have a, a snack, they've, uh, they need to get to bed, or else uh, they don't want to get to bed and, and they're annoyed because they think it's too early and they're not ready for bed and something like that. And they, they get angry or they get disturbed. One of the things that Michelle and I really try to deal with is not to let our children go to sleep angry. Because what happens? It'll only harden and cement in the night into a settled, sinful conviction. And we try to deal with that. Deal with it quickly. Because that anger will fester and you nurture it and you, you nourish it and it'll lead to bitterness, wrath, great, great problems in a life. You deal with it quickly. If you don't, it only deals, it only leads rather to more sin. Look at verse 27. That's exactly what Paul means. And do not give the devil an opportunity. If you don't turn away from it quickly, but rather dwell on it, Nurture, as I said, nurse it along. Satan will quickly seize and grab the opportunity. He loves that opportunity. He'll use your anger to lead to terrible things like church splits, bitterness, saying words you'll later regret, vengeance, treating people with contempt. It will, it will distort your entire Christian perspective. You, you will destroy your spiritual effectiveness. You will give the devil an opportunity to get in your life in such a way that he will use your anger to deepen to bitterness. I've seen this happen in people. When they could have dealt with it quickly, they let it fester and develop and develop. And before you know it, they are simply, they, they are involved in bitterness. And many are defiled by it. And when anger festers enough, you know what it, what it eventually leads to? Murder. That's what happened with Cain and Abel. Cain was so angry and jealous at Abel that eventually he murdered him. And he's saying, well, I don't know too many Christians who murder other Christians. No, but Jesus said in, in the Gospel of Matthew, if you hate your brother, it's like you've committed murder, right? To, to God, it's like murder. Because really, you've murdered their character. You've slandered them. You've said things about them that you might as well have murdered them in one sense. You have, you have destroyed their character and reputation. What's the solution? 
It's a selfish anger. How, how do you deal with it? What, what happens? I mean, these things aren't really deep. In fact, you don't even need me to say this. You don't, you, on weeks like this, you, you just don't need me. But I'll, I'll help you along with this anyway. It's just pretty obvious. But how do you deal with it? First of all, and this is very practical, stop thinking so much about yourself. You have problems with anger, and we all struggle with that. Just stop thinking so much about yourself and focus on the holiness of God. Let that be the, the primary focus of your life, not yourself. People who are angry are people who are self-centered. Focus on the holiness of God, and then you'll get angry over the right things. We need to have a perspective where we, where we hate to hear things about the Lord. It ought to break our heart and cause us to be angry to hear things spoken about the Lord that are dishonoring to him. If they speak about us that way, that's fine. That's really fine. You know, the Bible says uh, we saw that Jesus was angry when his father's name was dishonored. But, you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When it was accusations against him, he didn't strike back. But he did strike out when it was accusations against the father. That's to be our perspective, not selfishness. Nothing. If they have things to say about us, fine. That, that's okay. We don't have any rights anyway. You don't have a right to, to even defend your name. But if they say things about the Lord, then we've got every right to be angry. So get angry over the right things, and that means we've got to focus on the right person, not ourselves, but the Lord. Next, recognize that God is sovereign. I think this is so helpful. Recognize God is sovereign. Do you realize nothing happens to us unless the Lord brings it into our life? That's right. Nothing happens unless the Lord allows it to come into our life. And so when someone insults you, recognize that God has allowed it to happen. God has allowed it to happen. He has allowed you to be insulted. You say, why? To build character into you. If nothing else, it builds humility, doesn't it? Because you begin to understand what Christ went through. You begin to understand a little bit about the sufferings of the Lord Jesus while on earth. So recognize that uh, God has allowed it to make you more of a servant. And, and you have to look at it. If the Lord can be insulted, the Lord Jesus while on earth took all the insults. None of us will ever be as insulted as he was. Then you and I can handle being insulted. Then three, understand that you have no rights. You don't deserve a thing. If you're insulted, don't get angry. You don't deserve any better anyway. And, and I don't either. None of us do. It's just that we are very proud. And we don't, we, we just, we feel like we have a right to be respected. We don't have any right to be respected. We really don't have a right to be respected. And then finally, and I think this sort of brings everything together, forgive those who insult you. Forgive them. No matter how wrong they are, forgive them. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Paul writes, But whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Speaking about forgiveness now, forgive the man who sinned, who they then put out of the church. He says in this, I, I, I have forgiven, in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. What are Satan's schemes? When he sees a Christian who's angry, he marches right in, and he, he tempts that person to not forgive. Paul says, forgive, forget, deal with it quickly, because Satan's going to come in if you don't. And we're not ignorant of his schemes. He'll grab hold of the opportunity and it'll develop into something that you can't handle. 
If we're angry and unforgiving, Satan will take advantage of us. So we've got to forgive. It isn't just don't get angry. It's, it's do something positive. It's be one who forgives. Don't carry a grudge. It's an open invitation for the devil. Don't, carry, don't think that you can carry a grudge just between you and the Lord. It's not. It'll infect others. It is contagious. Ephesians chapter 4. We're not going to study this in depth tonight, but just touch on it. Verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. But look. Forgiving each other. Why? Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. God's forgiven us and we're to forgive us. We have insulted the Lord. We have dishonored him. We have disgraced him. But God has just forgiven us. And we're to forgive others. But let me tell you one other thing about forgiveness. Romans chapter 12. There's a real truth that goes along with forgiveness. Don't just say you forgive, but do something about it. Verse Verses 17 through 21. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. What if you're not at peace, though? What if, what if somebody does something to you that's really uh, wrong? Verse 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. The Lord will take care of them, not you. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, now catch this, if your enemy is hungry, someone who's done something terrible to you, not only forgive him, he's hungry, you know what you're to do? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap burning coals upon his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When you forgive someone, try to minister to them as well. Whether it's unsaved or saved, try to minister to them. If they have a need, meet that need. That goes a long way. And that's what Paul is saying. When you forgive and you get right with somebody, can you send them a gift? Can you write them a card? Is there a financial need that you could could help? Do they have some physical need? Could you buy them a book? Not something you're going to preach to them on. Just forgive them and leave it with the Lord and do something positive. In the last century, there were two influential preachers who preached at the same time in the city of London, and that was Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker. On one occasion, Parker commented about the poor condition of children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. It was reported to Charles Spurgeon, and uh, it was reported, though, incorrectly, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself, which he really hadn't, but Spurgeon thought he had. Now, Spurgeon was a man of fiery temperament, and he blasted Parker from his pulpit. He wasn't right in doing this, but nonetheless, that's what he did. That attack was, believe it or not, printed in the newspaper, and it became the talk of the town. Londoners flocked to Parker's church the next Sunday to hear his rebuttal. This was his rebuttal. I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today, and this is the Sunday they used to take an offering for the orphanage. Parker said, I suggest we take a love offering here for the orphanage. The crowd was just delighted. In fact, Ushers had to empty the collection plate three times. Large church. I'm talking about a small church. Three times. <clears throat> Later that week, there was a knock at Parker's study, and it was Charles Spurgeon himself. Spurgeon said, You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserved. You have given me what I needed. The Bible says we're not to be angry. We're to forgive. We're to forget. 
We're to deal with it quickly. We're to be angry, not selfishly, but unselfishly. When God's honor has been offended, then we ought to get disturbed. When it's us, then we ought to simply forgive. We ought to be tenderhearted. We ought to be kind to one another. We ought to pour out grace because that's what the Lord does. That's the walk of the new man. So what are we saying? We're saying this. Let's be angry about sin. Let's not be complacent. It's all right to be angry. God has given us that emotion. It just needs to be directed in the right way. Don't, don't try to suppress righteous anger. Jesus didn't. Paul didn't. Peter didn't. God our Father doesn't. It's a, it's a very valid emotion. And we ought to get disturbed by the sin around us. But let's be careful that it's, it's not because we've been offended, but because God has been offended. And even then, we've got to be careful that we don't try to, to, uh, to cover up and say it's for God's honor when really it's ours. We have no honor except his. We have no glory except his. And when we have been offended, recognize what it is. It's just wounded pride. So what do we do? We simply forgive. And then we, we, we do something constructive and positive to someone who's insulted us. That's what the word of God says. That's how the new man behaves. The question is this. Are you going to behave like that? Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you have struggles with anger. I know I do at times. And sometimes, most of the time, it's the wrong anger. Would you ask the Lord to help you to be so consumed with his holiness that you'll have the proper anger? It's not an option. It's a command. We are to be angry. And if we're not, something is wrong. Then, then we're not in touch with the Lord. We, we take sin too lightly. We're too consumed with ourselves, and we've lowered the standard of God's holiness. Would you ask God to build into you a sense of anger and righteous indignation? Would you ask him to build that into you? And would you ask him to help you to see your own anger, selfish anger for what it really is, sin? Don't excuse it. Deal with it quickly. Don't let the sun go down on it. Deal with it quickly. Don't sleep on it. Don't let it fester. Don't let it develop. Because the devil sees you as a prime target. And you don't want that. And the Lord doesn't want that. We don't want that. Let's not only have our uniforms on, but let's live like our uniforms are on. New man, new walk. Father, we pray that you'll apply your word to us. Lord, we all struggle with anger. I do. And too often I don't have a righteous anger like I want to have. Build into my life that righteous indignation, that hatred for sin, because we love you, I love you, and I know that, that we do here. Help us to hate evil. Not to hate the sinner, but to hate the sin. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have an intolerance towards sin, to never lower that standard, and to let others around us know that we will not tolerate sin. And if a person will not respond when we go to him once, when we go to him twice, we go continue the process of Matthew 18, that, that church discipline must take place because we love them and we hate sin. Father, help us to not be angry at one another, to recognize it for what it really is, selfish egotistical, self-centered pride. Help us to remember we have no rights. Help us to recognize you're sovereign. Help us to remember to forgive and then to repay for those who have done evil for us, to repay them with good because that's what the very grace of God is all about. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now that you've learned about righteous anger and selfish anger, are you better able to identify any anger that might be in your life? Honestly, I think it can be hard to properly identify our anger if we are not walking in the Spirit. It's way too easy to be selfishly angry. But now that we better understand righteous anger, we can start to allow the Holy Spirit to purge the selfish anger and also prompt us to righteous anger. Then there was forgiveness. I think Pastor Steve gave us some good advice. Quickly forgive. Don't allow a situation to fester. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse, where we feature the teaching ministry of Pastor Steve Kreloff. If you were blessed or challenged by today's program, I would suggest you tell a friend and surf over to versebyverseradio.org. Direct them to the archives page where they can find today's program and listen to it themselves.